If you have your uh, Bibles with you, um, please turn to Matthew 6. Or if you have, um, if you're using one of our Bibles in their seats, it's on page 811. So Matthew 6, verse 1, or page 811, the Bibles in your seats. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask that you be with us in this moment, that you fill this space, that you help us to approach you with contrite and repentant hearts, Lord, that we focus on what you have for us. Bless this time. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Isn't it true that we're always looking for the next thing? We're always looking for the next season in life. We do this from the very youngest of ages. When we are in pre-K, we're so excited to get to kindergarten. And when we're in kindergarten, we're excited to go to first grade. And from elementary school, we're excited to go to middle school. And then in middle school, we're excited and can't wait to get to high school. And then when we're in high school, we can't wait to move out of the house and go to college. And then once we're in college, we're ready to be in the workforce, to, to, work, to work for what we've been studying for. Then once we get that job, we are ready for the next job, for that promotion, for that next career move. We're ready and always preparing for the next season in life. And then all of a sudden, we're ready for retirement, and then we don't know what to do. You see, when this happens to us, if we're not careful, we miss the moment that we're in. We miss where we are currently. You see, the the church calendar tries to do, to walk this fine line between taking us where we are, but also looking towards and looking t- forward to where we are going. And Ash Wednesday in the Lenten season does this in a particular way, because the Lenten season looks at the state in which we're in, while also looking forward towards Easter. And this season is about intentionally taking time to look inward and to recognize our need for the Easter to come. But if we're not careful with the different practices that we take, whether it is that we take something on or we abstain from something else, we can twist even this season, which is supposed to orient us towards God, to become something like another New Year's resolution. It can become something of a more of a self-actualization than it is a penitential season meant for us to reflect inwardly and to approach the Father. And that's because we're human. We twist things that are meant to be good. And what we're going to see in Matthew 6 is that Jesus recognizes this tendency of ours to twist what's supposed to be good, what's what's supposed to be for our God, we twist that end up, turn that back towards ourselves and towards other people. So let's begin in verse 1 in chapter 6. It says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Jesus right away is presenting to us a dichotomy between how we act. And what I mean by that, he is, he is presenting to us two different paths in which we, are, in which we operate from as, as followers. Rather, are operating from a place in which we're trying to please man 
please ourselves, or we operate from, are we going to try to please God and do things in which to approach him? So the question is, do we seek after God and what he wants, or do we seek after people and what they want? See, Jesus' message in this very first verse, which permeates throughout the rest of, this, of, of our text of this passage, is simple. He's saying our motives matter. Our hearts matter. We know this to be true simply from the way in which t- Jesus has already been teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. He spent all of chapter 5 speaking about the law. But not just about the law, but about the heart behind the law, the spirit behind the law. He elevates the standard to illustrate a point that it's not about simply following the letter of the law, but it's about recognizing that it's supposed to get to to our heart. It's supposed to get to the spirit behind the law. Yes, the letter of law is important, but only as much because of the spirit that is behind it. And that is what Jesus is saying, saying that it's from within is that our motives, that our motives and heart, and that it's from there that, what, that, that that's what matters to him and to us. See, we're like this too. We often care about others' motives as well. We've all been a part of situations where someone may be doing something out of obligation and we question what their motive is. Or even we instruct our children to go apologize for something, and we know they don't want to do that. And so they, do go, they go up and they kind of begrudgingly say, I'm sorry, and we all know that they don't really want to say they're sorry, but they're doing it anyways. But when they do out, that out of their own motivation, out of their own heart, we praise and we are so happy to see that because we care about the motive of which they're going from, from that heart from within. Well, our God is like that too. He cares about our motives and he cares about our heart. And what this means for you and I during this season is that we are to examine our motives. Yes, that sometimes we hear this statement that it's better to do the right thing for the wrong motives, but God does not operate in that same economy because he cares both about what is done, but also about the heart behind it, because he's actually the only person who knows both. See, motive and action are not separate. The heart and the ways in which we act are not not separate. And if we're honest with ourselves, oftentimes our motives and our hearts are not pure. And Jesus knows that, and that's what he tells us. And you may, you may be asking, okay, why, is so, why, are, why are there so many do's and don'ts in the Bible? Well, the simple truth that it points to is that it, it, it tells us that, there, that our motives and our actions are a two-way street. Our heart and our actions are a two-way street. Sometimes it takes us acting out on things that which you don't quite understand or feel in order for a heart to be affected. And sometimes it takes our heart to be inf- affected to finally for us to produce proper action. And the Bible addresses that, saying that it's both about what we do, but it's also what Jesus is telling us, it's also about your heart. And that is of immense importance. The Bible does not shy away from that, but highlights that our our Father values both. You see, the Bible is not just about behavior modification. It's about a heart and soul redemption. 
So we've already just seen this first, just in this first verse, that our motives matter. And what Jesus does following this, he gives us three distinct components of a Christian life and applies it to that through giving or generosity, through prayer and fasting. And what he shows us and what he tells us is that it's giving, that prayer and fasting are not for man, but they are for our Father. So he does this in a way that is really interesting because he uses this formula that it's very clear for us to see. So in verse 2, he says, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. In verse 5, he says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. And then verse 16, as you can probably guess it, it says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, and their fasting may be seen by others. But he also looks at the other side of the coin, that we, which we've just talked about. In verse 4, it continues and it says, So that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And then in verse 6, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And then as you can guess it again, beginning in verse 17, it says, But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. See, giving, prayer, and fasting, are for, they are, those are spiritual disciplines that are for our Father. These practices are responses to him. And Jesus also tells us that rewards are going to happen on either side. But what he illustrates here is saying that these rewards, you can either have those that are coming from man or you can have those coming from God. It's similar to how, how um, teachers often plead with their students to learn a mater- material for, for life rather than for a test. Oftentimes, what happens is a teacher will say, hey, this is really important for you to understand and to know because this is going to propel you future, for the future. It's not just about the here and now. It's not just about the test that's in front of you. It's about the life that you're about to live, and you, you should utilize this. What Jesus is saying here, it's not about this earthly action. It's not about what's going on right in front of us. It's about the eternal. It's about the Father, about doing these things for him. Therefore, our Father, and, that, and for what is to come. And often, it's, tra- it's traditional in Lent to be taken on or abstaining from certain practices. But what Jesus is telling us is to not allow our human nature of corrupting what is good and right and holy to the detriment of realizing of what we are trying and wanting to do is for our Father in heaven. To be in deeper relationship with him, to know more of him. We recognize in Lent that we are in need of his saving grace because we can do nothing to save ourselves. That's what this season is about. It's about examining ourselves and recognizing our fallen nature and that we often act more like the hypocrites described in this text than we do in doing these things in an attempt to grow closer to our Father. 
So when we give, when we pray, when we fast, it's for our Father because we're coming before him recognizing our need for him because we can do nothing for ourselves. Now, you also may be asking, what is this whole talk about rewards? I thought that the Bible and the season of Lent was about denying the self and rejecting earthly pleasures. And there's truth to that. But the Bible does not shy away from pointing out what is good for us and what we need. It just does so in a value system that is different. See, it values things based on the eternal, not the temporal. And the eternal is with our Father. And that's what Jesus points to, not the temporal. So our hearts and our, our motives matter because from it flows everything else. And Jesus tells us that giving, prayer, and fasting is not for man, but for our Father. But in the close of, the, of our text today, in beginning in verse 19, he, he circles back around, he caps it all off. And what we're going to see is that our hearts are where we seek our reward. Now, this, this beginning in verse 19, um, this passage used to be a memory verse of mine growing up. And it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves not break in and steal. For where your treasures is, there your heart will be also. And I used to think that this was about materialism. And there certainly is truth to that. But there's so much more to it. See, what Jesus is telling us is that our hearts are where we seek our reward. He's being frank and saying that you'll get a reward on earth if you want it. It just won't last. See, Jesus never denied that there are pleasures in this world. But what he is saying and what he's telling us and telling his followers then is that they pale to the, in comparison to the pleasures of what is to come. And Jesus cares about where we seek our reward because that is where our hearts lie. And he cares about our hearts. You see, the Bible is full of the simple wisdom. And what we have right here is that Jesus tells us that we will find reward where we seek it. We find value where we desire because that is what we as humans do. We are easily influenced and stiff-necked and lose sight of what and who we are called to. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know that we often fall into this trap. And we know, we, we know this is to be true because we, some of the most unhappy people out there are some of the most successful. They are, they're those, they're, they're those uh, animals that finally got the tire that they're chasing after. But then they didn't know what to do with it at that point. See, they got their reward, their reward but never realized it was never enough. And see, during the season of Lent, we need to recognize our need for and be seeking our Father. We're taking time in the here and now to see that our hearts are easily distracted and can be pieced out and set upon various shelves of this earthly life. Whether it be recognition, wealth, stature, social, social, excuse me, social standing, or any other aspect of your life, it's easy for us to seek after those rewards rather than our Father. This season is about us taking time to readjust and realize we too easily 
perverse good and right actions for our own needs rather than doing so in response to what our Father desires for us in heaven. You may be saying, I thought the Bible also speaks about, speaks about the blessings of this life. And you're right, it does. But those blessings are the things of this life are simple foretaste of what is to come. And if you seek after those, there's a good chance that you might receive them. But what Jesus tells us is that our hearts are easily deceived in those things in which we're seeking after, that they'll fall away. And the rewards in which he desires for us are the ones that last forever. And that lies with our heavenly father. And when we seek after those, we'll be granted those. But we can't have those unless we look away from some of the things of this world and put all our hope in him. You see, our hope, our hearts, are where we seek our reward. Now, I'm under no illusion that these sayings are not, are not easy. And what Jesus is doing, and what he's speaking to, is the truth that we are fallen people. That we get it wrong more often than we get it right. But that is why there is grace. That is why during the season of, rent, season of Lent, we recognize we get it wrong all the times. That our motives are twisted, that our giving, that our prayer, that our fasting are oftentimes tainted, and that our, and our hearts are often seeking, often seeking at the temporal reward. See, this season of Lent seeks to address and highlight the state that we're in, that we're fallen, and we're called to do so openly and honestly. And what Jesus is doing in this passage about these practices and what, we're, what we recognize during, these, during this Lent is that we have to, and we're, when we adjust these things, that we are preparing ourselves for our Father. See, Lent is about preparing us for our Father, preparing for what is to come, preparing for that Easter that is to come. And the, the, the biggest secret about this is that we can't receive that Easter in 40 days unless we know that we need it. So when we, during this season, as we are looking upon our lives, reflecting upon ourselves, and approaching God in contrite hearts, we're taking this time in order to prepare ourselves well for the next season that is to come. But we have to be in this moment and recognize the state that we're in. And to better receive this grace with open arms, we have to have no doubt that we need it. So prepare well during this season because that first Easter that happened 2,000 years ago, we can receive that today. And we'll be celebrating that in, in, in the weeks to come. But prepare well for, to receive that grace that the Lord has given us. First, by reflecting upon our lives and recognizing that we are in desperate need of it. So please pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask that you help us to see and seek out you, to recognize that we need you, that we have no hope outside of your mercy and grace. Help us to approach you with contrite and true hearts, that we do so with openness and honesty. Lord, we need you. 
We're so grateful that you provided a way for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.